0: Welcome to the Arise podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill, conversations around faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. Today we are so excited to have back Kashawn Allen, and he has brought his wife Danielle with him today. Uh, They are uh, coming to us today from Maryland, and they've got two kids, and we are going to check in with you guys and see what's up.
1: Yeah, I just think, like, Krishan, we really connected last time you were on the podcast. And Danielle, I've heard a little bit about you. Also, I like your name. Like, that's just good.
2: It's a wonderful name. It's
1: good news. It's good news, right? Um, You know, you're a family. You're living on the East Coast. You're in a different uh, time zone than us. You're in a different culture than us. And just kind of trying... Maggie and I want to get, uh, like, stories. And we want to hear from people across the country that are navigating fall, the the ongoing pandemic... um, The current social and political situation and just like how is your family doing it so if you you want to check in and share share thoughts it's great
2: sure um well I can start we were actually just joking about this like the other night I feel like this is the longest year of our entire lives some point um you know when the pandemic first happened it was like okay we just have to have the kids at home with us and work from home for two weeks no problem then two weeks turned into four weeks and then we kind of looked at each other once we got to April and said yeah no these kids aren't going back to school so um I definitely had to become the pseudo school teacher you know kind of making sure I would I almost became like this You will get this done this is our time frame and i had to schedule it in between my work conference call so that was always entertaining like hey guys be quiet mommy's gotta like talk about business and then my husband became the principal which was if you misbehave you go to the principal's office (laughs) I, (laughs) i kind of felt like whenever i did have to leave the house for anything the kids went into survival mode like oh my gosh mom the teacher's not here We just better do whatever dad
1: says.
2: Mm. (laughs) And then, I don't know, summer came. And I do feel like summer went fast but slow at the same time because we didn't get to take, you know, those normal vacations just to kind of get away with the kids, but also to get away with us, to have that chance to just reconnect with each other. It's so important as a couple. uh, I think that in that sense, the pandemic could be trying. Like we've had to have moments where we're like, all right, let me just go for let's just go for a walk outside or just go somewhere where we can just be the two of us. And I guess now with the school year starting up again, um, in our state, we're doing virtual instruction. So I'm kind of just already wrapped my mind around, all right, we're, we're back at it again. It's obviously the teachers have had much more time to prepare. And, you know, I give teachers all the credit because having to teach virtual teach their own kids that they have at home and just doing this double duty. I, I give teachers lots of props. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We're starting the school year virtual. So I'm back in teacher mode and he's going to get back in principal mode. Maybe he'll be like PE instructor sometimes or
3: something. I don't know. We'll see. That, that is, I think principal and PE is, is the most that I can, I can do. I told her, I said, if, if, if I had to be the teacher, the kids would have dropped out of school. They probably would have been like, "To hell with this! We're <laughs> we're getting out of here. We're not we're not doing any of this anymore." Because um, it's just the level of I think it, moms and dads sometimes the patient patient levels are different, right? Um, I'm like, "What? Hey, just get it done. If you if you just do the work, you can move on and your your day will be done." You're condensing an eight-hour school day into into two hours, but if we if we got to wind through about three of those hours, you're just you're just prolonging all of this. So uh, I think coming into the fall, we have a better plan because I just think as school was ending, we were also trying to acclimate to a work from home environment for ourselves. So it it was trying to figure out okay how do I I didn't even know what Zoom was until until March. Mm. So it's like, how do I learn, you know, Zoom or or Microsoft Teams? You know, how do I ensure that I'm still being productive in my job and, and, you know, we have nothing, nothing stopping because all of this is going on. But then also ensuring that our kids are are catching up and and they don't fall back in school. But I think one part of it that was pretty funny, you know, Danielle was was working with the kids to get to keep their grades up, and to get these A's and, and homework and, and homework and all that, and then like report cards came out and it was just a pass or fail, and I was like, "See, you could have been like me, mid-level achiever <laughs> <laughs> <You were> here, <laughs> and they, they would have been fine." But you know, whatever. They're
0: better. I guess better. Mm-hmm.
1: Danielle, tell us, like, like, and Krishan, like, both share, like, what is your profession? How old are your kids? And what grades are they in?
2: Um, so, for me, I'm in operations management for a technical company. And um, our daughters are 11 and 8. So, we have a, a child going into middle school this year. So, that's been an interesting transition. And um, we'll have a, still an elementary
3: school student. Mm. And I I do IT management for the the Department of the Navy. So we're both, I guess, pretty hectic. It can be hectic in in regards to work.
1: Yeah, that is an intense, like, work environment to transfer to home.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I also like how you acknowledge, like, it wasn't just the kids who were making all these adjustments. Like, you guys were also learning to acclimate to working from home in addition to then the added responsibilities of working to educate the children or at least supervise their, their education. How do you, how would you say, um, like, what would you say that the kids did that showed you that they were getting it? Like they were making the transition and that, like what was the turning point for you guys when the kids kind of understood like this was going to be for the long haul and we need to kind of adjust our expectations.
2: I think for our oldest one, uh, she kind of got into a flow. And once the teachers started posting the assignments for the whole week, um, she she would just say, okay, this is due by Thursday. This is due till Friday. And we kind of just let her go into her own groove. And as long as she had everything turned in, work at whatever pace you need. It Mm -hmm. kind of got to that point where you just have to exercise some patience. Because when this first started, I said, no, like, Mommy only has from like 8 a.m. to this time and then from this block to this block mm-hmm. to help you. And it was just causing a lot of frustration. But once she understood like, hey, the rest of the school year is going to be online, I think having those assignments, she just worked at her own pace. She did the subjects she liked the most. She got those done first and then kind of dragged her feet on the other ones, but eventually got them turned in. And then after a while, our youngest one went, well, wait a minute. If I can turn my assignments in, that means I can be done. So then she tried to be an overachiever and get them turned in so she could have a nice long weekend. But it was just letting them kind of work at their own pace just as long as they got it done. We still had some frustrating moments and the occasional tear and breakdown. Uh, But other than that, just saying, look, we got to just get through the school year, get to summer and let's do what we got to do.
3: Well I think originally our our youngest daughter is very environmentally compartmentalized. you know that she has a time that she's in school, she has a time when when she's at home and, and when those worlds colla- like collided, it it took a couple of weeks to to get her into an actual groove and say you can't you you have to you know get up in the morning, brush your teeth as though you were really going to school and not just come down in your PJs with your blanket and sit on a couch with your laptop and think you're really going to be as productive at, you know, as you normally would be. So it's, you know, putting, putting, getting her used to school, being in her home environment where it was so se- two separate worlds for her regularly.
1: Yeah, I really hear that you both had like a mindset too. You have an, like a mindset for yourselves. And so that mindset is really, you were able to implement that for your kids. Was that hard? Like, what was that like?
3: Well, being a principal, it's you the most <laughs> disliked person in the house. I think mostly uh...
2: by the teachers and <laughs> the students. Sometimes that's right.
0: That's
3: right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think another thing about this was, um, you know, we're we're in our late thirties, so the way we learn some subjects is totally different than what's mm. taught right now, and. Uh, I was, I was kind of joking with the kids, but I was serious. And, and I was like, this is survival mode right now for all of us. So, so don't tell me what your teacher said about anything because me and your mom are in the trenches now trying to, you know, <laughs> keep you up on math. but we were legitimately having to, to Google certain aspects and, and common core and all that, just, just so we can understand what our kids needed mm. to learn. First, because we was like there was a learning gap. I'm Like, why why can't you borrow anymore? What's wrong with long division? Work forever, you know. Those kind of conversations and the kids, and then we would show them both ways. You know, their way, and then and then the way we learned. And in some cases, they're like, "Oh, that makes the way you learned makes more sense to me." It was. was
2: (laughs) (laughs) We said exactly what we've been trying to tell you the entire time.
0: Gosh, that just reminds me of a scene from uh, um, Incredibles. He said, why did they change the way we do math? It's like so frustrating. Mm -hmm. It takes 20 minutes to solve the problem and you can
2: solve that. I I got so tired of making the boxes and the families. And I just went, oh my gosh, we got through it. So and
0: what's what's awesome about the way you kind of modeled it is, you know, you said, well, this isn't how I learned it, but I'm going to learn the way you learn it. And you went out and found the resources for yourselves, showing the kids that when mommy and daddy or any adult, because we're all still growing, have a gap in our knowledge that we can go out there and get resources for them and fill in that gap. And so you modeled that beautifully for them. And then said, hey, well, there's two ways now that you know how to do it. So you've given them something extra that perhaps their other peers are not going to have. So well done. Yeah,
3: thank you. Thank you. Thanks. We were just trying to survive. To
0: be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's it like in the fall now? Like, do you feel like you're in, uh, I think you mentioned you feel a little more grounded, a little more ready. Like, it's more, you have a system down. Like, what are the feelings around that even?
3: Uh, I think for me, it's still, you know, it's it's almost like going back to March again a little bit because we don't know how long this this virtual school period is going to last. Um, and then, you know, we 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 still have work. Um, you know, she she has Danielle has to go back in now, a couple days a week. Um, so so then I you know I'll have to be principal and teacher for mm. those days. <laughs> um, you know, God bless us. And keep us in your prayers, uh, but it, it'll you know it's it's that dynamic. It's still that unknown aspect, I think, which which is pretty much carried through this year. Is you you're preparing for the unknown um, in, in the extent of you know this season of of school, and and then it's okay. January comes, or we come out at the fall. but well, what what do the kids need to prepare for? You know, next is it is it going to class? Is it, you know, a hybrid situation with school and home? Um, so we're, we're preparing for this current moment, but it's, it's still that uncertainty mm. of,
1: you know, what's going to be next. What about you, Danielle?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I think it's very helpful uh, that now at least the kids have a set schedule. For example, my daughter going into middle school to kind of get them acclimated to The hope they go to school uh, in class one day is, you know, it's a schedule. Your first period is from this time to this time. So from a scheduling standpoint, that helps me with creating structure in the house to make sure that the kids are in on this day, that they're doing the right subject, the right classrooms. And it'll kind of help me with structure like sometimes can get a little OCD with those mm-hmm. things, just making sure like everything is in its right place. Like, no, we take these classes on this time. So I think just having that set schedule helps. It'll be a, an interesting concept now that I have to go in a couple days a week to see, I think that will help my husband <laughs> uh, just, you know, being able to say, okay, no, you can't pull this on me. I know you have to do math at mm-hmm. this time or that time. But to his point, it's we're preparing for this now
1: knowing that this could be a few months or who knows it could be the rest of the year. And I mean, Danielle, you mentioned about going back to work now for a couple of days a week. Like what's your mindset like? What, you know, I assume that puts you at a, a higher level of risk going out and then coming back. Like how are you guys navigating that?
2: Uh, carefully. Mm-hmm. The good thing is when I have to go back into my office, there's such a a limited amount of people who have access to the building and who actually can come in there it's a very very small amount of people that there's plenty of space for physical distancing and obviously wearing the mask and you know I've always had good health habits and especially during COVID it became heightened so I'm just more aware of that and just taking the precautions um, to keep myself as safe as possible and try to distance myself as much as I physically can when I'm in an office and, you know, just making sure I follow the same routine when I come home from work, you know, what my process is, what I do. You we know. have
3: a decontamination process.
2: Yeah, we have a decontamination process. Exactly. Come into the garage, take your stuff off there, put it in the washing machine, wash your hands, you know. It might seem crazy, but I just don't want to do anything that would put us at risk. So if I have to decontaminate myself in the garage every time I come in it's just, it is what it is at this point to keep us all safe.
0: No, absolutely. It makes sense. And, you know, we're following health guidelines and and physical distance, like all of that makes sense. How do you, and how is that being internalized in your body? Like, do you feel more stressed out when you have to leave? What is the environment like when you're working at work, you've got a mask on, you're staying physically distance. And like, how does that change the way that you're operating at work?
2: It just makes me more mindful. To, unfortunately, what this has done is made people not want to socialize as much in the office. Um, so it's just maintaining that healthier distance. I had to get used to just getting really comfortable talking through a mask while I'm at work, just because, whether it's on a video conference call or face to face, I just think everyone's just more mindful of it. It can, it can be a little stressful at times though, right? Because you're trying to get used to this process. And I have so much respect for first responders, essential workers who've had to go through this entire process the whole time, always wearing a mask. Um, it, it can be challenging, but you know what? It's keeping everyone safe. So we just have to do what we have to do. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it hasn't really affected me mentally it just makes me more cognizant when someone tries to come a little closer to me Mm -hmm. to want to have a conversation I'm like no we're good like we can keep some space and if it's something really important you know you can set up a video call and be in separate rooms to kind of talk about it just to make sure that we're keeping everybody
1: safe good and what about you Krishan like having her leave and then come back like how's that impacting you?
3: Um, I I just think we, you know, we always had the plan of, you know, if we were going outside of a normal, a normal operating space, um, you know, that we would make sure when we came back in the house that we did the necessary things. I think primarily what, you know, my concern is, is that just, just mask wearing in itself has become so polarized, right?
0: Mm. And,
3: and such a political issue that it's, and, and, you know, work, working where we do, um, it seems everything seems heightened here in, in that capacity. But it's, it's just that aspect is ensuring that that she's safe and and that people I, I think people around her are, are just respecting the health of, of other folks, whether you believe, you know, this fabric on your face helps you or not. It's just, OK, let's just take this extra step just, you know, just to be sure, you, you know.
1: Yeah, it is amazing how it seems to be. I, I'm not familiar with a ton of countries, but I know um, I have friends in uh, Morocco and I have family in Mexico, and haven't heard the same political commentary about mask wearing in either of those places or the same same response about it. And it's interesting to me. I I wonder why why has this become so politicized? I think there's some clear reasons, and then. I think there's some other underlying issues in our society that m- made this a form of like I have to grab this for control, and
3: yeah, before like when when the mass mandate started to come forward, I I I like to look at his historical things, and and I took a look at how how long it actually took for smoking to be uh, uh, illegal on airplanes. That that took some time, and there was a lot of fight and a lot of legislation for that. And I, I believe it wasn't until probably 91 that it was illegal across all airlines. Um, you know, there was a fight for seatbelts in cars. There was, a, there was a fight for not smoking in restaurants and bars. So uh, I think in, in this country, there's typically going to be that both sides are going to are going to fight their part. And then eventually there's, you know, some compromise in the middle and we realize that it is for the safety of, of the majority of the population and, and uh, people get used to it. Like, to see someone not drive with a seatbelt now is, is weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wonder and in how, a lot of country... go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say and in a lot of countries, they've been wearing masks forever. That's just common. Practice, but I think here, unfortunately, in this country, if you ever want to suggest something, and maybe that was the issue, was more of a suggestion than a "you all need to do this." Then there's always going to be a small group of people that want to buck the system, for a lack of a better word, right? Because they may feel like, oh, this goes, this is, this goes against what I believe in, or you know, this isn't right. This is taking away my my right to choose, and instead of thinking for the greater good.
1: Yeah, more of a collectivist form of thinking, or cultures that are more collective. It seems like that that kind of comes more naturally. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the greater good as part of benefiting me.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think I, I agree with that. That it's it is a societal. It becomes a societal norm. I think I I've spent some some time in Japan, and and the first time I went there and I saw people wearing masks, I got nervous. I'm like, why do should I get a mask you know Mm -hmm. and then it's just oh if you're if you're under the weather you know if you have a cold or something people took the courtesy to wear a mask during during those times you know it's not not everyone needs one but if you think you know you can possibly get other folks sick you just put a mask on and and you're still able to operate you know
1: yeah, I guess that, I mean, just socio-politically, you know, it seems like so many different things around the coronavirus have been highly politicized like you mentioned and they're coming it's coming to blows and it doesn't feel like we're looking out for one another. It really feels like we're we're each fighting our corner, like if we don't fight our corner, we're not going to survive.
3: Yeah, and and, I, and that was a conversation me and Danielle had early on in all of this, and especially in regards to, you know, with the kids going back to school, is that ultimately the two of us are responsible for the health and welfare of our children. So we have to make the informed decision and, and the safe decision for them. E- even if, you know, the public school system here had said, oh, we're opening up, you know, full ride, every everyone back in class, we would made the decision to to look at alternative options to to school them at home um, until we believe that that things were safe. Because if if everybody has an opinion uh, about what's safe and what's not, and and there's so much information, I think coming at us on a on a regular basis, and it's sometimes hard to filter, you know, what what's real. Um, at the end of the day, you as a parent, I think you have to pause and say. Well, what do I think from the information that that's given to me is going to be best for for my kid and for some parents that is saying, OK, I think they're better off in in the school building with their peers. And you have other parents who say, uh, yeah, I'm going to homeschool until, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a good environment. But it is taking that that necessary step to say I'm responsible for that, you know, the health of my kids.
0: That's so good. It's so good to, re- to remind ourselves that. And it's the same also in, in the medical field. Like our doctors are going to advise us and you can get opinions from multiple doctors. But ultimately, you, you have say over the health of your own body. And in this case, like you have say over the health and protection of your children. And it's our responsibility to decide and get the information. And I think that we forget that. Sometimes it, it, we, we, it would be nice for someone else to do the thinking for us, right? And then we don't have to think. But when you do that, you have then separated yourself. Like you're saying, we have to remember that we are responsible for our kids and we have to make the decision that's best for them. And that might not be the same decision that will be for other kids. Um, and so I, I like that you were gathering information. Was there anything that helped you along in that process as you were gathering information from different places and kind of piecing it together? You guys probably had conversations about what makes sense and what was best for your family.
3: Yeah, so I think, one thing I, I looked at for sure was was that this the the response to this is regional right there mm. are legitimately cities in this country um, that that could send their kids back to school and, and probably and probably you know go about business almost normally because they they were not impacted as heavily but we're in a in in a in the DC region so there are there are other things that we we have to Think about in regards to population and 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 all of that, but at at the end of the day, it was what do these numbers look like, and and what are case rates going down, or you know, is there uh, any kind of you know, well, not a vaccine yet, but anything a therapeutic that that is helping? Mm. Um, Her Danielle's mom lives close to us, so it's like we want to be available still to interact with family when necessary. But what is like, if our kids are in school, that Mm. some of those communications, some of that stuff has to stop because we don't, we don't know who, you know, who they may be exposed to. Um, And and it's hard to tell a kid, Hey, I know you're in school, but don't socialize too much, you know, keep, keep your distance from each other. So it was really just, could, could the kids, you know, be okay if they had to go back, but then also looking at our kids and, you know, they they haven't been completely shielded from the knowledge of COVID. So even our kids even have a a level of anxiety Mm. in regards to how to interact with people socially because, you know, of what, what they've heard in the news or may have heard us over talk, you know, talk about. um, So it's, just ensuring that we're not heightening that level of anxiety for the kids by saying, "Oh, well, school's open, you go," and they're and they're worried about themselves and and their health and and maybe wondering, like, "Hey, are my parents making the right decision?" You know, for me,
1: we know the pandemic is you know affecting brown and black bodies and indigenous bodies in a significant way compared to other bodies, and so. I think even just us thinking that through, um, heard someone say a friend of ours say, well, the pandemic, it will either starve us cause we can't work or it'll kill us cause we're out there working. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of like thinking through like the layers of reality, you know, that, uh, and also what you're thinking through, uh, you know, also in regards to race and how, how it might affect you or your family members or whatever, like, those are all things we have to take into consideration as parents. And that's why I think our responses are going to be varied.
3: Yeah. And, and I, and I believe they should be, you know, this isn't, there, there isn't a one size fits all response um, to this and, and, and to families and, you know, it's, you know, we have, we have friends whose kids are in, in private school and they're able Mm-hmm. Uh, to send their kids back because the class sizes are smaller and, and, you know, they, they know the families, you know, so I think there isn't, there isn't a one size plan for everyone, but you really have to kind of pause and, and like I said, look at your own situation with the information that you can gather and, and make an informed decision for, for you and your family.
2: And ultimately, we had to kind of put things into perspective and take a step back and and kind of pause for a second and just go, you know what, it's unfortunate the kids aren't physically in school. And hey, you know what, this may last, who knows, right? Six months, a year, who knows when they'll actually be able to go to school. But we try to put it in the perspective to them that in the bigger scheme of things or the bigger picture of life, you know, hopefully... you'll be able to look back and say, yeah, that was a challenging year, but it didn't affect me as a person, right? It didn't affect me being able to finish school or, you know, it didn't have such an impact on my life that I wasn't able to become a successful adult and to be able to thrive in society. Mm -hmm. So we always try to look at, yes, it can be stressful, there can be anxiety, but what are the positives in it? You know, what is the, the upside to the situation that we're in? So just always trying to look for, even if it's something minuscule, just something to stay positive about and to be thankful for, uh, to kind of keep keep pushing us all through this situation.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's a good practice, all seasons of life to look, to look for something that you're grateful for and look for the positive thing. What has been one positive or one thing that you're really grateful for in the last six months?
2: You know, as much as we joke about how much we're always in the house together, like Kershaw always looks at me and goes, "Gosh, we are always together in the house," which was a big transition for him because prior to us moving here for almost ten years of our marriage, he was always traveling for work. So um, even though it's been crazy to not really go, be able to go on vacations and do things, the fact that we've actually had this time together as a family and just you know if we were working and before we moved here we were just so busy with stuff right like kids activities our activities it was just we didn't have enough time at home we were just always busy with stuff and yeah it's been stressful but we've had more family movie nights and game nights and even if our date night was just sitting on our front yard in lawn chairs drinking wine or just talking like you have to kind of appreciate the fact that, yeah, date nights changed a little bit, but we're still spending time together. And we're like, man, we survived COVID, you know, we're still married.
1: Whoa, we can
0: get through (laughs) anything, right?
1: (laughs) I think that's another podcast right there.
3: No, and and I, I, and I think that, you know, we, we, with all of this, you look at the impact of, of, you know kids and, and your health but it is an impact to relationships and and be if if you and your spouse are always in the house together there there is some tension that that's gonna probably arise you know if you're used to some up op- some time away to come back and actually talk about work by you know sitting across from each other all day at work you know mm. um, and then it's it's like, well, I heard I heard all your calls, all your conference calls today, so I don't really need to ask you what's going on. <laughs> so it's, it's like really finding other things to 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 talk about and and engage uh, each other in conversations. So it, it's a it's a stretch for the relationship mm. for sure because you can't necessarily lean on on your norms, you know, the oh this happened at work or this happened with the kids because because we're at work and the kids are at work and and work is at home so it's you know what else what else can we can we find to to talk about and and ensure that we're still adding into our relationship
1: yeah it's like an invitation of a different kind of knowing mm. like a different kind of way of being together a different way of you know i think family and life and kids can kind of just it gets surfacy, not in a bad way, like you want to know the day-to-day, the happenings, but it's kind of like an invitation to something deeper, or at least that's what I hear you saying.
3: Yeah, exactly. Just understanding each other now. I think I I, I told her, uh, I think last week, I was like, man, if there were like layers or levels to, to COVID health, I think I reached level three. Like, <laughs> out of
2: three. Or maybe out of four. I don't know. I don't know how
3: many I wanted to leave the house so bad and not mm. like leave to go to the store, but just like let's leave home. Um and I, I was watching people on T V have fun and it just hit me. I had like a single teardrop fall from my eye. Like, mm-hmm. I wanna have fun too. Like, I wanna <laughs> I wanna be with my wife too. That that want to be like, OK, I want want to wait time with spouse that we would normally plan into our year um, that that now we're just chilling and waiting.
0: Yeah, we like to ask our podcast guests at the end of each episode, three questions. What are you reading right now? What are you listening to and what is inspiring you? You want to go first?
3: Um, yeah, I, I guess I can. I am currently reading. Uh, I'm, I'm looking over. I can see it. Um, the The Color of Law. Uh, it's a book about housing laws and rules in the country, um, and and how how they were intentionally uh, segregating uh, blacks and whites and and other uh, ethnic groups uh, in in the country when it comes to public housing. Uh, securing mortgages, FHA loans. Mm. So I'm I'm learning a lot about like in that right now. Um, I, I'm also it's and it's totally outside of like my normal realm of listening, but I'm listening to the Lincoln Project.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
3: just just to get a, a another perspective, I guess to to hear wh- what they what they have to say. Um, and and I think what's inspiring me is that people. People are still going forward. You know, what I mean? that that no one's deterred. Um, We're just, you know, a little over three months since George Floyd was was assassinated, uh, lynched, or whatever you know, whatever words you want to use. And but people and people are have not, you know, re- re- resolved it, like or went back into their normal routine, but are still fighting for for this cause. So that that's inspiring
2: me. Mm. Um, and for me, the book I'm reading is um, it's called The Origins of Discontent by Isabel Wilson. It's actually part of uh Oprah's book club. And it's a really good book. It compares uh I don't know how many people are with the caste system in India, but it talks about how in America, from its inception, you know, when when col- colonists came here in 1619, um, how they established their own American caste system, and how that still affects every aspect of being a person of color in the United States today. And it's it's crazy how they make references to even how in Nazi Germany they looked to the Americans and their caste system and how effective they thought it was working when they were coming up with components of the Holocaust. So Mm. uh, it's a really, uh, it takes, there are moments where you have to kind of put the book down for a second Mm. and go, okay, I need to like take a minute. Um, But it's it's a really, really good book that I think a lot of people should uh, be able to read. And from listening, I don't have, I mean, I listen to all types of random podcasts. Um, but to kind of get my mind in a relaxing mood, I just like to listen to, uh, 90s R&B.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh,
2: my husband and I watched, uh, the Brandy versus Monica versus yes. on Instagram. So <laughs> the rest of the week I've been driving in, listening to Monica and Brandy and my husband says only Jesus loves my voice, so you know. But when I'm in the car, I say it's very
3: he says, "Yeah, sure, loving.
2: lovingly." Like you know, I try to get all cute and and sing to him, and he looks at me, he's like, "Babe, no, it's okay, don't do it." But when I'm in the car, I can sing at any pitch I want, and when I put my ear, my finger to my ear, all, oh, all
3: the... sounds
2: so good. <laughs> man, I'm like an entirely new level. She,
3: she has all the notes.
2: all the notes (laughs) all all the the falsettos the ranges everything (laughs) and um i'm just really grateful for my my health my family's health and just knowing that it's a challenging time and our country is kind of at this tipping point but i'm just looking forward to see once we finally are able to get over the hill right and what changes could come and And just knowing that, you know, it it may seem to some people like God is distant, but God's still here. His hand is still, you know, on everything. And and he's here and wants to have a relationship with us. So just knowing that we always have that source that we can Mm -hmm. go to when anxiety kicks in or when there might be mental challenges or just things going on. So I'm grateful for that.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to like leave without if people want to hear more from you I heard the word on the street is you're starting your own podcast so I want to hear a little bit about that how can we connect and what's going on
3: so you know after I sat with you guys uh, the first time and you know I became famous in my household (laughs) and and social group you know I was like man I need to share I need to share all this Mm -hmm. with the people you know Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> I do. but, but it, it, I was like, man, this, this is a, this is a great, a, a great format. And I'd never thought about it for myself, but just, I uh, the, the primary part is that I know personally really phenomenal people, I think who, who are heroes in their, in their own realm, you know, moms that have homeschooled for years and. And, you know, do everything domestically and, and take care of the family. And it's just as hard of a job as, you know, if they got up and got in a car and commuted an hour every day. So, like, those are kind of stories that I want to be able to share and and have these conversations with people because they do have great ideas. You know, your, your normal everyday person has great ideas, mm-hmm. I think, about some of the major problems that we face in the world. And if we, you know, stop looking to, you know, uh, half of one percent of the folks to make all solve all mm-hmm. the problems for us, but go holistically have conversations. We'll know. We'll learn that that we're more similar than we are different in a lot of ways okay. if we just pause and and kind of listen and and talk to each other. So that's kind of the the hope for where where the podcast call is called. It's called uh, taking steps and you know focus on on you know people accomplishing great goals and and maintaining i guess their sanity yeah. in the midst of all of this uh that that's going on but yeah it's, it's coming along it's it's more work than i thought it would be but i'm, I'm getting it
1: when is it released how can we find it like
3: so I'm, I'm hoping for this month in the next like two weeks so right now uh i have i have an instagram page uh taking steps podcast on instagram um uh, I, I think i'll be using the same uh simple cast site that you you guys use um, so so i'm work, working on that uh so that'll be where where it'll be found right there there when when it launches but i'll i'll for sure let you guys know the the launch date state
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to to listen and learn from you guys. We have really enjoyed our conversation today and we will put links to your podcast in our notes so that friends can find your incredible work.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing yourselves with us.
3: Uh, thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you.